Good evening, listeners. Welcome to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Vink. This is episode 18. I'm excited to be here with you all tonight. I am your host, and you're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM in Kia, Newton, Georgia. I hope everyone is having a great night. It's now time to enter the late night madness. The first thing that we're going to talk about in the world of MLB is in our first story. It is a franchise about to be making their relocation out of Oakland. The Athletics are poised to move out of Oakland and into Las Vegas. They have begun to submit information related to their relocation application. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred stated on Tuesday, adding that the application is not complete at this point. About a month ago, the Nevada State Legislature approved a $380 million bill that would help fund a proposed 30,000-seat stadium, $1.5 billion retractable roof ballpark on the Tropicana Hotel site along the Vegas Strip. The A's, based in Oakland since 1968, hope to break ground next year and open the venue in time for the 2028 season. The release at the Oakland Coliseum expires after the 2024 season, and their interim home has yet to be decided. Our relocation guidelines actually spell out clearly what needs to be included in an application, says Manfred. While speaking during this pre-All-Star Game appearance in front of the Baseball Writers Association of America, one of the things that you have to include is what's going to happen. During the interim period, they have not yet made a submission on the topic, but the MLB established a relocation committee in June, a group headed by Milwaukee Brewers chairman Mark Atanasio to evaluate the A's move. John Middleton and John Sherman, CEOs of the Philadelphia Phillies and the Kansas City Royals, respectively, also make up the committee, which will make a recommendation to the 30 owners for a yet-to-be-determined vote on the A's move. 75% approval is required. The A's went into the All-Star break with a Major League worst 25-67. and That's not a great campaign so far this year, but they are averaging slightly over 10,000 fans per game, the lowest in the industry. So when you have this kind of team, they're in rebuild mode, relocation mode, this is time to really bear down and think about what you want for your franchise. But their biggest crowd came during what was deemed a reverse boycott on June 13th when an announced crowd of 27,759 showed up to plead with John Fisher to sell the team. My single biggest disappointment is that because of the kind of political process in Oakland, we didn't find a solution to keep the A's in Oakland, Manfred said. That's no on the disappointment list. But Manfred added that he remains hopeful that the Tampa Bay Rays can make significant progress with local officials on a permanent home this year and restated that expansion to 32 teams will not happen until the A's and Rays situations are settled. I hope pretty shortly thereafter we would put together an expansion committee, and start talking 
internally first about the issues associated with expansion. Manfred said, obviously, there are economic issues. You're talking about diminishing the central revenue available to the 30 teams, making it 32. You got to figure out the impact of that. And then you got to think about what you would be looking at in terms of an expansion fee in order to offset that. So that's something that they got to think about when they're making this decision. It has been a quarter century since the league last expanded, adding the Rays and the Arizona Diamondbacks back in 1998. Adding two more teams could drastically alter the sport's geographic alignments. If you're going to go to 32, are you going to make format divisional changes? What should it look like? This is all things that Manfred said. So there's some internal work that's going to take some time to get done. So this is all the stuff that they have to consider on the table when they're making the relocation and really making it a format where there's 32 teams. But into the night we go. You're listening to the Nightly Crowdcatcher on WQEE 99.1, the key at Newton, Georgia. And now, in our next LB story that we're going to be covering tonight, we're going to recap upon the top five draft picks in the MLB draft. So, the 2023 MLB draft is in the books, with the Pittsburgh Pirates selecting LSU star Paul Skanis with the number one overall pick. The Washington Nationals followed by drafting Skanis' teammate Dylan Cruz. With the number two pick, making them the first pair of teammates to go one and two in MLB draft history. That is unbelievable, folks. The Detroit Tigers took Max Clark with the third pick. The Texas Rangers followed with Wyatt Langford. And the Minnesota Twins rounded out the top five by selecting Walker Jenkins. But following along for a pick-by-pick coverage with ESPN... MLB experts David Schoenfield and Dan Mullen breaking down everything you need to know about the favorite team that took in the first round as the picks come off the board and pick-by-pick results for all the 20 rounds. But today, we're going to give you the top five. So the scouting report says, with that first pick, it was the Pittsburgh Pirates' Paul Skanis. He is a right-handed pitcher at LSU, but just who is Skanis? According to ESPN MLB draft, draft expert Kyler McDaniel, Skanis is the best pitching prospect in the draft since Garrett Cole when he went number one overall back in the 2011 season. Like his college teammate, Cruz, Skanis was a dominant force on LSU's national championship team as the right-hander went 12-2 with a 1.69 ERA and struck out an eye-popping 209 batters over 122 and two-third innings during his lone season in Baton Rouge after transferring from Air Force. So it's pretty amazing how they really made this pick. But why did they take them? Why did the Pirates do it? While there are three clear top prospects in this class, Skanis is quite possibly the best pitching prospect in the draft since Steven Strasburger. In this one season at LSU, he absolutely dominated the best competition in the top conference in the country, handling the pressure that comes with pitching in the SEC with a presence that set him apart. 
the Pirates have shown signs of turning things around at the major league level, and Skanis is about as major league ready as a pitcher that you can ask for. Now, his teammate, Dylan Cruz, the Washington Nationals took him, the outfielder. But just who is Dylan Cruz? He is the most well-known player in this year's draft. Cruz hit his way into college baseball's winning 2023 Golden Spikes Award and becoming the first player to win back-to-back SEC Player of the Year awards. Though, he is more likely to end up in a corner outfield position than remaining in the center field position, there is no doubt his bat will play anywhere after Cruz hit 426 with 17 home runs and an on-base percentage of 1.28 in 71 games for the College World Series champion Tigers this season. Wow. But in the end of the day, with these stats coming to play, why did the Washington Nationals exactly take him? For the first time ever, a pair of teammates, like I said, were one and two in the draft, but maybe the Nationals would have preferred Skanis, given that the strength of their farm system lies in its position players. But Cruz dominated the best conference in the country and ranks as one of the best hitting prospects to come out of the college ranks in a long time. His combination of the hit tool, plate discipline, and power indicates he should rise rapidly in the majors and do so pretty quick. Now you have pick number three. This was drafted by the Detroit Tigers. Max Clark, outfielder, out of Franklin Community High School. Wow, folks. This guy is coming directly out of high school. A prominent prospect. But just who is Clark? He is only the best prospect from the state of Indiana since Brian Bullington went number one overall out of Ball State back in 2002. Clark won the 2023 Gatorade National Player of the Year honors. Clark has a sweet left-handed swing that produces plus contact and bat speed, with the only question being just how much power will it be when he gets into the pros. Given he has a smaller frame than the other elite hitters at the top level of the draft. But why? How did he catch this young guy out of Franklin Community how did he catch the Tiger's eye? We have our first surprise going into the draft. That talk was all about the three college stars, but who separated themselves from the top level of the class, yet the Tigers went with a high school hitter and not and not Langford with the number three pick. But don't let that fool you, folks. Thinking that Clark is a stretch here, he would have been running for number one overall pick in recent drafts, but no. Not this year's draft because of the SEC stars, but Clark has electric speed and could develop plus power as he develops, drawing comparisons to Corbin Carroll and Johnny Damon. That right there, folks, is a very promising projection there. At number four, we got the Texas Rangers, and they chose Wyatt Langford, outfielder out of Florida. So just who is Wyatt Langford? He is a slugger who would be the clear number one in many other MLB drafts, but Langford has been overshadowed by the LSU combo of Cruz and Skanis. The Florida slugger hit for 373 with 21 home runs. So 
he was a national runner-up for this season, showing why scouts have been flocking to him since a breakout sophomore campaign with the Gators back in 2022, followed by a strong performance with Team USA last summer. This is the reason why they took him. But the, here's the case. Why, and particularly, did the Rangers actually seek out for him? The Rangers have to be thrilled to see an advanced college hitter like Langford fall into their lap at fourth pick. A player who had more extra base power in the SEC this season. And it's pretty incredible. But Langford is somewhat limited defensively. But the Rangers can dream on adding him and the prospect, Evan Carter, to an outfield that already includes all-star Adolis Garcia and 2023 breakout performer Leody Tavares. So, very promising future for this young man. At pick five, the Minnesota Twins selected Walker Jenkins, another high school kid out of South Brunswick, North Carolina, outfielder. Who is Jenkins? He is now the consensus top high school player in this year's draft. Jenkins packs high-end raw power into a compact swing that involves comparisons to former MLB All-Star J.D. Drew. He won his second straight Gatorade State Player of the Year award this spring, batting 417 with an incredible 632 on-base percentage and a 633 slugging percentage and 95 plate appearances while showing scouts he was fully recovered from a broken hammock bone that slowed him down a bit in summer of 2022. But why did the Twins go after this young guy? That's now two guys in the top five who are high school players. This was a five-player draft, and the Twins get one of those players here before the talent drops off significantly. Jenkins has 30 home run, home run power, and hit tool to project as a future. A 280 hitter in the majors, and he could stay in center field. In most drafts, that type of player is thick in the running for the number one overall pick. But so, the Twins get a steal, and they're ecstatic about it to get this kind of young talent in round one. So, very impressive top five players. But in this next story of what we're going to be covering tonight, we got the All-Star Home Run Derby Contest. Yes, it was the son of Vladimir Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is your 2023 MLB All-Star Home Run Derby champion. After a four-year absence from the event, he takes home his first derby title with a win over Randy Arizona in the final. Guerrero and his Hall of Fame father, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., who won it 16 years ago, are the first father-son duo to be home run derby champions. That right there is an unbelievable accomplishment, folks. In the process, a prospective three-time winner was eliminated, with Pete Alonso booted in the first round after Julio Rodriguez hit a whopping 41 home runs, the most ever in a single derby round. J-Rod, however, was unable to secure the hometown coronation in the Emerald City losing to Guerrero in the second round. We have your one-stop shop for everything derby-related from the round-by-round round results to our favorite moments from one of the most anticipated events back in the summer. Back in round one, 
Ranier Arizona had 21 home runs and he defeated Adolis Garcia, who had 17. We had L Luis Robert Jr. He had 28 homers. He defeated Adelie Rushman, who had 27. Then we had Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who had 26 homers in the first round, and he beat Mookie Betts, who had 11. Number two, Julio Rodriguez had 41 home runs, and he defeated Pete Alonso, who had 21 home runs. Now, as we went into round two, Arizona was heating up, and he had 35 home runs, defeating Robert. 22 home runs. Guerrero just edged out Rodriguez 21 home runs to 20. But in the final round, it was Guerrero that took home the trophy. He had 25 homers and defeated Arizona, who had 23 homers. And he was crowned your champion. But in the end of the day, what were exactly the favorite moments in this year's home run derby? The crescendo built slowly. Rodriguez, the favorite son of Seattle, the kid who took the Seattle's Mariners to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, started his first round matchup against the two-time champion, Pete Alonzo. At that point in time, it kept mashing, and the crowd got louder and louder and louder and blooming in full appreciation of what it was witnessed. It's pretty incredible. By the end of the day, Rodriguez had 41 home runs. The standing ovation was deafening. History was truly made. And even if Rodriguez's night would end in the next round, he truly put on a show. And that in, the, in itself is pretty unbelievable. But it was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who took this year's home run derby, folks, to the bank. Now, in this last game that we're going to be covering in the world of the MLB, we're recapping on the MLB All-Star Game. Believe your eyes. The National League has won an All-Star Game. This is the first time they have won it in nine years. They defeated the American League. The senior circuit skid ended, thanks in part to the Colorado Rockies catcher, Elias Diaz. Diaz goes at that had a go-ahead two-run homer in the eighth inning that helped seal a 3-2 victory at T-Mobile Park in Seattle. The AL team still holds an overall head-to-head -head record of 47-44, but bragging rights belong to the NL until next summer. Here are some highlights and favorite moments from the Midsummer Classic. The shadows were brutal. The opposing pitchers were devastating, and yet Luis Areza making a thrilling chase for the 400 batting uh, average despite playing within one of the most difficult hitting environments in the game's history, continued to make this look so easy. He saw two pitches, an 87-mile-per-hour splitter from Nathan Avaldi and a 98-mile-per-hour fastball from George Kirby and came up with two singles. He's a 383 hitter for the season and a 1,000 hitter in All-Star Game. And over these past couple of days, Areza got a sense for how hard others are rooting for him, particularly in the likes of Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, and Ronald Acuna Jr. They say, hey, go play hard, enjoy the game. You can hit 400, Ariza said. I say, it's hard. I'm a human, but I'll try. 
Let's see what happens here. And it's pretty amazing how this all came into be. But in the end of the day, it was the National League that really put something together, folks. But another star that they were really looking forward to and had a really decent day. The chance started in moment. Shohei Otani stepped into the batter's box in the first inning. Come to Seattle. The fans at T-Mobile Park shouted, a few at first and then more. And then eventually, a contingent large and boisterous crowd, even that was enough to ring that entire stadium. They fed him again in the second plate appearance with the same chant. But in the end of the day, it was an incredible day. And the National League, yes, finally win and take away their nine-game losing streak by the score of 3-2. to two. And they took the American League, to you guess it, folks, to the bank. We'll be right back. You'll be listening to the world of the NBA. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Find. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control. 34 Jefferson Street, Newton. 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Coweta Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text K4K Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre track is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key at Newton, Georgia. And now we're going into our next segment and recapping what's going on in the NBA. And now in our first story, we're going to discuss the health of New Orleans player. You don't want to miss it. So New Orleans Pelicans forward Zion Williamson knows his battle to stay on the court is going to take discipline. But he admitted on Monday night that it's been a struggle so far in his young NBA career. In a surprise appearance on the Gills Arena podcast, hosted by Gilbert Arenas, Williamson spoke about dealing with issues that have limited him for just 114 regular season games in four years. That, in itself, folks, 
means that he is only averaging about roughly about roughly 28 games per season. He was asked about eating healthy to stay in game shape. It's hard, man, Williamson said. I'm 20. 22 have all the money in the world. Well, it feels like that, but it's hard. I'm at the point now because of certain things. I'm putting back the wisdom around me. I don't want to say older because they get defensive, but I'm putting people around with the wisdom. Put me on the game in certain situations and just go from there. Williamson is listed as six foot six, two hundred eighty-four pounds. He said some of his issues go back to having this incivility trait that you feel like nothing can stop you when you're young. He said he had to think about the people around him and listen to those who genuinely want to help him. Williamson played in just 29 games last season, missing the final 45 because of a hamstring injury he suffered back in January 2nd. After initially being expected to make a return around the All-Star break, Williamson re-injured the hamstring and was never able to make it back on the floor. Before the 2021-22 season, Williamson broke his foot. He was slated to return during the season, but was never cleared and missed the entire season. During exit interviews in April, Pelicans Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, David Griffin, said that for Williamson to be more available, a big part of is on him. I think there's a lot he can do better, and he would. I think I tell you that. But I think we can do a better job examining the whole situation top to bottom a little better. That's what Griffin said. I think putting him in the best position to succeed is important. And I think his participation is a big part of that. But Williamson knows there are more things he has to do in order to make this possible. The former Duke coach, Mike Gursevsky, taught me I have to own up to my own responsibilities, Williamson said. There are a lot of things I could have done better. I didn't. I'm in the process of fixing those wrongs. Williamson said that in terms of getting ready for the season, he's been trying to follow the blueprint of Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron James. It's more of locking in on flexibility, band work. I think it's those things that will be able to keep me on the court longer rather than those losing a bunch of weight and coming to play. But crediting James for his inspiration and his brief appearance, Williamson also wanted to get one point across. He isn't missing games because he wants to. I'm a hooper, Williamson said. When I'm sitting on the sidelines watching my teammates in certain games that are losing, I know if I was out there, I could change the outcome. What I want people to know about me is I just want to hoop. I want to be out there. Nobody wants to just sit on the sideline. I think that's what I want the people to understand. I don't want to be on the sideline. Y'all think I want to sit over there and be hurt? I don't. And that right there, folks, is very interesting. Because Zion Williamson, sure, he's had his share of off-the-court problems in his dating life. And being able to stay healthy in the league. I hope he can get his act together. And really turn over a new leaf. But in our last story. In the NBA offseason. You're going to be listening to. 
on the nightly crowd catcher with Corey Bank is about a NBA star and a new claim shoe distribution deal as we're heading further into the world of the NBA. Dallas Mavericks guard Kyrie Irving has partnered with the Chinese sports brand ANTA on a new shoe deal. It was announced on Tuesday in a release. ANTA said that Irving's signature shoes and lifestyle footwear will be unveiled early next year. ANTA also said that Irving will serve as the brand chief creative officer. The agreement comes after Irving and Nike ended their partnership in last December. The company initially suspended his deal after Irving posted a link on social media last October to a book and movie containing anti-Semitic tropes. But here's the thing. Irving had been with Nike since 2011. In 2014, he became the 20th player in NBA history to receive his own signature sneaker deal with the company. But last month, Irving, who is now 31, agreed to a three-year insane $126 million to return to the Mavericks. I don't know about you folks, but that is a lot of change at this point in time in Irving's career. The eight-time All-Star has career averages of 23.4 points a game and 5.7 assists, including 70, including 27.1 points and 5.5 and assists per game last season for the Brooklyn Nets and Mavericks. So, Kyrie Irving getting his new shoe deal and getting a lot more autonomy, being the brand's chief creative officer, that's very interesting. And he's doing it with a Chinese company. This should be a very thrilling uh, shoe deal. I'd like to see how it plays out. But that's going to be an interesting case. As we're heading now into the darkness of the night on the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank. You're listening to this on WQEE 99.1, the Kiana Newton, Georgia. And now we're going to be recapping upon what is to come next in the NFL offseason. You don't want to miss it. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., Dine in, take out, it's Wishbone Fried Chicken, right next door to their former location, bringing you the best chicken around, so great, Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31, Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Got mold? Call the Mold Man, specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey, sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. 
You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 The Key out of Newton, Georgia. And now, we're heading into our next story, and this is recapping on the NFL offseason. And our first story we're going to be talking about tonight is the New Orleans Saints running back getting caught with some trouble next, right here. So the New Orleans Saints running back, Alvin Kamara, has agreed to plead no contest to a misdemeanor charge of breach of peace for his involvement in a 2022 fight in Las Vegas. According to court records, Kamara and three other men were initially facing misdemeanor charges of conspiracy to commit battery and a felony charge of battery with substantial bodily harm. Kamara is no longer facing felony charges after accepting the plea deal, his attorney David Shesnoff confirmed on Tuesday. Camara will do 30 hours of community service and pay the alleged victim in the fight $105,000 for medical bills. Alvin is pleased that this matter is behind him and looks forward to having a successful NFL season, Chesnoff said in a statement. Camara and three other men, including free agent cornerback Chris Lemons, were arrested on battery charges after they were accused of injuring a man outside a nightclub on the eve of the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas on February 6th of the 2022 season. Camara played in the Pro Bowl and was taken into custody afterward. All four men were indicted by a grand jury on February 16th, 2023 after hearings for the case were continued several times throughout the 2022 year. Camara was also sued in civil court by the alleged victim, who filed a lawsuit against him in Louisiana last October. The alleged victim, Darnell Green Jr., accused Camara and the other men of beating him and stomping on him while he was unconscious. While Green initially requested damages of $10 million from Camara, a notice of removal in Louisiana court last November said that Camara had never actually been formally served with the lawsuit. The two men reached a private settlement on July 10th According to Green's lawyer, Tony Busby, Busby said on his Instagram account that the settlement also included a public apology for Camara. Please accept my sincere apologies for the events of February 5th, 2022 in Las Vegas. The apology stated, I am happy that we were able to get on the other side of this unfortunate incident and I wish you the best for the future. After the grand jury indictments, in February, the four men were scheduled to have a jury trial on July 31st, with 
Kamara's appearance now canceled as a result of his plea deal. The NFL released a statement on Tuesday that said, We have been closely monitoring all developments in the matter which remains under review. The NFL lists assault and battery as a form of prohibited conduct in its official personal conduct policy and says any player found to have engaged in that conduct could be subject to discipline even if there is no criminal conviction. It is not enough simply to avoid being found guilty of a crime. The league policy states we are all held to a higher standard and must conduct ourselves in a way that is responsible, promotes the values of the NFL, and is lawful. Players convicted of a crime or subject to a disposition of a criminal proceeding are subject to discipline. This is where Alvin Kamara stands. Surely a lot better spot than what he would have been. Let's see if where his consequences are going to be. And hopefully Alvin Kamara will come away with this. Maybe unscathed. But we don't really know what his suspension and his likelihood of when he'll come back on the field comes into play. But now we're on to our next story. Into the night of darkness we go. You're listening to the nightly crowd catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 The Key at noon in Georgia. Now, in our next story, in the offseason of the NFL is about a two Carolina Panther players being inducted into the HOH Charlotte. So, the Carolina Panthers will induct defensive end Julius Peppers and wide receiver Moosin Muhammad into the Panthers Hall of Honor. The inductions will take place at Bank of America Stadium during halftime of the October 29th game against the Houston Texans. The team announced on Monday, Peppers, the number two overall pick back in the 2002 draft, played 10 of his 17 seasons with the Panthers and was selected to the league's all-decade team. Congratulations on those honors, Julius Peppers. You surely deserve it. Back in the 2000s and the 2010s, he was a three-time All-Pro selection and ranks fourth in NFL history with 159 and a half sacks. Unbelievable. He's on that list of the best defensive ends ever to play the game. Finishing in the top 10 in the league in sacks six times, he remains the only player in league history with at least 150 sacks and 10 interceptions. Unbelievable. A defensive end having double-digit amounts of interceptions in this league, comboing with his 150 sacks, he's incredible. Muhammad spent 11 of his 14 seasons with the Carolina Panthers and was chosen as an All-Pro back in the 2004 season. He remains second in franchise history with 696 receptions and a grand total of 9,255 receiving yards and 50 touchdowns behind only Steve Smith Sr. Muhammad caught an 85-yard touchdown pass back in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, setting a record for the longest catch in Super Bowl history. He will go down in the record books for this. Both are Walter Payton Man of the Year winners. Musa Muhammad and Julius Peppers were drafted by the Panthers. Both became all pros here. Both came back to Carolina to finish their careers. This is another homecoming, a permanent one, Panthers owner David Tepper said in a release. Peppers and Muhammad 
joined previous members in the team's Hall of Honor, including former team president Mike McCormick in 1997, linebacker Sam Mills in 1998, the team's PSL owners in 2004 and in 2019, Smith, quarterback Jake DeLome, and offensive tackle Jordan Gross, and Wesley Walls, tight end, as well. So it's an incredible list that these men are a part of. They will go down in history as legends for the Carolina Panthers franchise. Congratulations, Musa Muhammad, and congratulations, Julius Peppers. You've earned it. You've had incredible careers. We'll be right back with Music News. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. The Nelsons depend on their John Deere Gator XUV 835R to get from point A to point B with decoys and the dogs. As much as we got going on, it's all about efficiency. And if you ask the Mosers what they use their Gator XUV 590M for, they tell you. The most fun we have on the Gator is just repping around the property. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deer.com. Nothing runs like a deer. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. I'm not going to lie, I know nothing about cars, and I don't really mind keeping it that way. This, it's cool. I called CarShield before my car broke down. Thanks to CarShield, I don't have to understand anything about what's broken, because plans can pay for repairs on up to 6,000 parts of my car. Leave fixing cars to the experts and call CarShield before your car breaks down, and maybe save some money for once. It's a thought. Call 800-579-6554. 800-579-6554. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh, right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy. Because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key at noon in Georgia. And now we're heading into our music news segment. And our first story we're going to be talking about is a R&B hip-hop star announcing his rescheduled dates for his tour. So after announcing last month, that he was rescheduling some dates on the first leg of his All-Star Force North American Tour to ensure that he gives fans a truly unforgettable experience, LL Cool J revealed the revamped routing for the trek on Tuesday, July 11th. LL's first headlining tour in 30 years is now slated to kick off on August 11th in Baltimore and keep on on the road through a November 19th date in Boston. The tour, whose acronym means Frequencies of Real Creative Energy, will feature LL joined by
by The Roots, DJ Z Trip, and DJ Jazzy Jeff, along with a long roster of special guests in select cities, including Queen Latifah, Salt and Peppa, Big Boy, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Common, De La Soul, Dougie Fresh, and Slick Rick, Goody Mob, Ice T, Jadakiss, Juvenile, MC Lighter, Method Man, Ed Redman, Rakim, Rick Ross, and more. In the since removed video from last month, Hip Hop DX explained from LL the reason for the tour launch pushback. I have to give my fans an experience that is unforgettable. I want to make sure everything is done right and in order. To do that, I had to change some things up. The updated tour dates are now live. The tour was originally slated to launch on June 25th at Boston's TD Garden and wrap up in Los Angeles on September 3rd. But at the press time, the venues for the tour had not yet been revealed. But here are the tour dates from below. On August 11th, they will be in Baltimore, Maryland. On August 12th, Cleveland, Ohio. August 13th, Chicago, Illinois. August 18th, Detroit, Michigan. August 19th, Toronto and Ontario. August 21st, in Atlanta, Georgia. August 22nd, in Memphis, Tennessee. And August 24th, Fort Worth, Texas. August 25th, Houston, Texas. August 27th, Albuquerque, New Mexico. On August 29th, they'll make their way to Denver, Colorado. Then followed into September in San Francisco, California. Then next on September 2nd, Las Vegas, Nevada. And ending the California end of the tour in Los Angeles on September 3rd. Then next, they'll take their way into North Carolina and Charlotte. Then on September 10th, Raleigh, North Carolina. Then they're on to Washington, D.C. on October 15th. And then to end the tour, they will be in Boston, Massachusetts. This is where L. Cool J will be performing on his tour. I hope this is going to be an incredible tour. It's been a long time since he's done it. But the legend himself, LL Cool J, will be standing on all fours and have these incredible guests with him making his tour date. We'll be right back for your next story on Music News. You don't want to miss it. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? Well, each week, we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music.
Hey everybody, this is Andy Crispin. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Christman. WQE 99.1 FM, The Key. Home of Southern Sports and Talk. Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, The Key at Noonan, Georgia. And now, we're taking you to our next sector of our music segment. In this next story, we're going to be discussing about is about a rock legend. The famous rocker announcing that he is pulling out of the Power Trip Festival. Ozzy Osbourne will no longer be performing at Power Trip Festival in Las Vegas this October. The rocker shared a statement to Instagram on Monday, July 10th, revealing why he decided to pull out of his first performance since announcing that he will no longer tour due to his health reasons. My original plan was to return to the stage in the summer of 2024. And when the offer to do the show came in, I optimistically moved forward. Osborne wrote, Unfortunately, my body is telling me that I'm just not ready yet. And I'm much too proud to have the first show that I do in nearly five years to be half what I usually do. The statement Continued, the band that will be replacing me on Power Trip will be announced shortly. They are personal friends of mine, and I can promise that you will not be disappointed. Above all, I want to thank my fans, my band, and my crew for their unconditional loyalty and continual support. It's really, really a tough thing for Ozzy. He was scheduled to take the stage on night two of the jam-packed rock event on October 7th, alongside ACDC, Night 1 on October 6th will feature performances by Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden, while on the final night on October 8th, Paris with Metallica, with Tool, and Power Trip Festival will take place at Coachella Valley and Cali, with tickets available for purchase. In February... Osborne shared a note to fans on social media in which he announced that his touring dates have come to an end and that his scheduled 2023 European UK tour dates have been canceled. Believe me, when I say that that thought of disappointing my fans really came to be, it really bothered me. But Ozzy previously revealed that while his voice is fine, after three operations, stem cell surgeries, and other procedures to deal with his, a spinal injury he suffered four years ago, touring has become increasingly difficult. But this is where it happens. This is our legend, Ozzy Osbourne, who has made it as an independent artist, has made it with his band, and he was a huge member of Black Sabbath. He is a legend from on these years, and I mean, I personally listened to him, and this really makes me sad 
But we understand that health takes priority in this life. We just hope that Ozzy Osbourne recovers well and will be able to once again perform at the stage and level that he knows best. Take care, Ozzy. We hope you a safe recovery. We'll be right back with our last music news story on here on WQEE 99.1 The Key here in Noonan, Georgia. The Baxters have a new first book. From number one New York Times bestselling novelist Karen Kingsbury, author of life-changing fiction, comes The Baxters, a prequel. The heart-pounding story of Carrie Baxter's wedding. Amidst family tension and the worst storm Bloomington, Indiana has seen in a decade. The Baxters, by America's favorite inspirational storyteller, Karen Kingsbury. Visit KarenKingsbury.com for more information. The Baxters, available now wherever books are sold. I'm pretty handy around the house but now that i have kids i don't want to spend my saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner but thankfully there's home advisor home advisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project you can read reviews of the pros check their availability even book appointments online and what my wife loves most is that home advisor is completely free to use go to homeadvisor.com or download the free app to get started home advisor Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowdcatcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 The Key at Newton, Georgia. And now we are about to recap on our last story on music news. In our last story, we're going to be talking about tonight is about a rock legend giving his take on a new generation band doing their own remake of We Didn't Start the Fire. Coming up. So, Billy Joel's history filled with his 1989 hit, We Didn't Start the Fire, got a modern day update thanks to Fallout Boy. And now the OG is giving his thoughts. In a new interview with BBC Radio 2 this week, Joel said that he has heard the new verses. Everybody's been wanting to know when there's going to be an updated version of it. Because my song started in 49 and ended in 89. It was a 40 year span, everybody said. Well, aren't you going to do a part two? He said, nah, I've already done part one. So Fallout Boy went ahead, take away. While Joel's track was filled to the brim, with pop culture headlines from the middle of the 20th century to 1989, 
Fallout Boy took over from there and continued the references from 1989 to present. Taylor Swift, who was born in 1989, is mentioned alongside Kanye West, who notoriously grabbed the microphone from her at the 2009 MT Video Awards. So, among many other references in the updated version are Woodstock 1999, Fiery Fest, Harry Potter, Twilight, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, Stranger Things, Avatar, SpongeBob SquarePants, Pokemon, MySpace, and more. Listen to Billy Joel's thoughts on We Didn't Start the Fire, and it's really apparent that Billy Joel is allowing this modern age Fallout Boy, which is, I would say, they are more a pop punk band with a little, with a soft rock alternative mixture that they're letting them continue with this new age of reoccurring this song. It should be interesting to see how the impact of the world in the new generation is going to become when they hear something like this. But the original version, Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, is always going to be a memory, and it's going to be a time capsule of a song, since Billy Joel, in my personal opinion, is one of the best in his particular field. So, in that regard, Billy Joel, I gotta give it to you for handing off the torch to a band like Fall Out Boy for modern day. I just hope they represent him well with this, but that's what remained to be seen. Welcome back! You're listening to the Nightly Crowdcatcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key attitude in Georgia. I just want to thank everyone who has listened in tonight. Thank you for having me on WQEE. Most importantly, thank you for the fans who have supported me. Everyone, get home safe. Great night's sleep. And we'll see you at the next one. Have a great night, everybody. You've just listened to the Nightly Crowdcatcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key out of Newton, Georgia.